Welcome to the Just Ask Mom podcast, where mothers share their experiences of raising children with mental illness. Just Ask Mom is a Mothers on the Frontline production. Today we will listen to Jill, a mother from Iowa, share her story about raising a son with bipolar disorder. Thank you for doing this. We really yes. appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Um, before we get into a lot of the content, could you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, for or outside of mothering, who are you? What are your passions? What are you interested in? It's a great question. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I think um, I think I've known since I was five years old, probably or even before, that I wanted to be a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. My aunt was a teacher. Um, so I would have to say um, that was my focus. Through high school, uh, went to college. Uh, I'm a teacher, um, and I'm very passionate about it. Very passionate about um, early childhood education. So I'm currently um, decided to personally take a step back and decided to work on my master's degree. Wonderful. So yeah, between doing that and teaching full-time and having two children, let's say two teenagers at home. You're busy. <laughs> it's busy. So when I have a free second to breathe, if I'm not writing a research paper or discussion thread, I am spending time with my family and friends. And that's, that's very fun. important to me. I like to exercise. Um, I love to be outside in the summer um, in my flower garden. Um, yeah. So that's kind of me by myself. So, so you knew early on what you wanted to do. I did. And I think that's, um, doesn't happen a lot. No. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of children these days, I just feel the pressure. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do. And, um, I just tell my boys, I was just a lucky one, mm-hmm. you know? So 20 some years I've been in it and I, I don't, I never see, I don't ever see myself do anything else. So well, that's wonderful. So you would love yeah. it. That's, that's I do. Great. I, I do. Yes. That's great. It's a gift when your passion can become your work. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I want you to pretend that you're talking to other parents. What do you want them to know about your experience as, as raising a child with a mental health condition? What would you want them to know? I would say, number one, trust your instincts. If you see something maybe that is um, out of character for your child, um, maybe something that differs from what they have, uh, quote unquote, typically how they've been acting. Um, I guess, you know, uh, just picking up on those little cues. I look back over the journey with my son. It's been three years, three years and three years now has gone by. And I look back at some of the things and say, wow, I wish I would have been um, went with my gut more than I did. Does that make sense? It does. Now, with your son, yeah. was there um, a clear before and after of an onset of symptoms? Did it sort of come on at a certain point in his life, or did you always see it his whole life? Or? Uh, no, we did not see it um, early on in life at all. There was no signs or symptoms at all. Um, probably started seeing it um, at the age of 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, his hormones were really coming on. Um, when we first started seeing signs, like I said, looking back, um, impulsive behaviors and things that typically hadn't been characteristic of my son. Um, but you know, some of it we kind of blamed on, oh, he's a teenager. Oh, he's, he's sowing his oats. He's doing this. Um, but 
then he would be fine for a while. And then, well, we'd have another, um, as what I say now, an episode of just uncharacteristically behaviors. Um, so yeah, that was, and I went with my, I should have went with my gut more than I did, but I did try to get some help right away. Um, but that was difficult and that probably will come next or yeah, tell me about that. Cause well, let me just go back to one thing. Yes, you, please do. You bring up a really important issue because when you're dealing with children's mental health, there's a whole gamut. Some kids have things from very young, like Tourette's usually comes around age seven, for instance. But a lot of kids have conditions that surface during the teenage years. That's when the conditions start to have their first symptoms. As you said, it's hard to know, is it yeah. just being a teenager or not? It completely was, because um, uh, from birth um, up to that point, he had been a straight-A student. He had been an all-star athlete. He had been the kid that never broke a rule. If there was a line, he was going to walk it. So that's why I say trust your instincts, because... As mothers, we know our children better than anyone else in this world. That's right. And when he was behaving some of these behaviors, I'm like, this is, this is, okay, I, I'm i not sure. Are we just pushing, we're a teenager. Like I said, um, we even went with, were there drugs involved? Because right. drugs are so rampant in the high schools and things that I, I was not aware of. Right. Um, I guess maybe naive. And so I had to kind of open myself up to that. And wow, um, what started were these outbursts. I say outbursts because it was the change of behavior. Um, his grades kind of started slipping a little. Socially, he started secluding himself from his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there would be days, maybe even weeks, um, he would just stay at home on the couch. And he'd want the curtains closed. And he'd just want to watch movies with me. And you know, okay, well, honey, and his friends would come over and say, come on, bud, let's go. And typically before, before this kind of came on, sure, he would go. He'd love right. it. Very social kid. Then there'd be times where we'd get over laying on the couch. And then we would, he particularly, I remember, got in his car, asked if he'd go to the mall to the nearest um, city. And I said, sure, you know, yeah. okay. Called me, got a speeding ticket, was going almost 100 miles an hour. Oh my, that's so dangerous. Yes, and this was just a few days after we'd been laying on the couch for a while. Then um, got him home and said, okay, had the whole typical teenage speeches, had the whole, we're going to take your car, and then two days later, gets another speeding ticket. He was going 95. And this is just, it was just so mind-blowing because my whole mommy gut, I called it, was going, what is going on? And so that's when I'm like, okay. So started in with therapist number one. Yeah. So talk about that. Why was it hard to get help at first? What was um, I think, you know, I will be completely honest, and people probably don't want to hear this, but I know as a mother, I wish somebody would have told me, Iowa is horrible for mental health. I have been born and raised in this state, and I will probably live in this state for the rest of my life. But I am highly disappointed mm-hmm. with, um, the services and help that we have. Um, from just doing some readings, I think we're one of the worst states in the United States of America. We are. And I can feel what you're saying. Because if I hear what you're saying, because this is where I'm at. Maybe, I don't want to read this in, but I love Iowa. There's so many wonderful things about yes. our state. But this is so disappointing. It is. It's it's heartbreaking. It's and heartbreaking. It's, 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 um, it's sad. And I the first thing I did was say, okay, 
we, I need a professional mm-hmm. because I, I'm a teacher. I am not a doctor. I'm, and so I just told my son, Hey, I think we need to talk to somebody, yeah. you know, figure out what's going on because he was talking to me and talking to me, but not really. I think he, he was not sure. I think it was even going on with mm-hmm. himself. And that's where I was like, is this, is his hormones? Is this, you know, puberty has set in. Um, he has a later birthday, so he has a younger one for his, his class. And I, so, um, went and got a therapist, um, number for therapist. Number one, I say, because it's so long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, went and he just, it was very difficult. He wouldn't open up. He wouldn't, you know, and, uh, yeah. So that's what we tried first. And then unfortunately, um, he, uh, attempted suicide. Mm, sorry. Oh uh, yeah. It was, it was hard. He, I, and I, it's, it's, I can talk about it now because it's been long enough, but I think it was more of a cry for help. Like I'm stuck in my own body and I'm not sure what's going on. Um, I came home and he was wanting to sleep. He wasn't sleeping at night. So that was another mommy gut thing where right. the kid that always slept at night wasn't sleeping at night. And he decided, he, I saw this package of pills and um, I'm like, he's like, mom, mom, cause just, he's so smart and he's so, he's such a wonderful kid. And he's just like, mom, I know I didn't, I know I didn't know what else to do, but I took all those Benadryl and I went, excuse me. He's like, I just can't do it. I go, you can't do what? He's like, I can't not sleep and I can't, my head is racing. My thoughts are racing. And he's like, I just need some rest. And I'm like, you know, the mother, the, oh my gosh. And, um, he admitted doing it. And so we went to the hospital and then, um, they, you know, once you go to the hospital with an attempted suicide, then you kind of get a little more help. Yes. yes. (laughs) Unfortunately, we had to go through an episode like that to get a little more help. So we moved on to um, therapist number two, and then um, which also involved um, medication. Right. We he hadn't been on any medication um, until that kind of botched attempted suicide or just attention getting. I'm not even sure what Clearly, I would call it now. He was in deep pain and needed help. He did. Uh, so I think that we take it all so seriously. We need to. Yeah, absolutely. we need to. And and you know. There was no way, and um, I wasn't going to take him to the hospital because his father had said to me, well, does he really need to go to the hospital? I'm like, he took several Benadryl, and I think this is a tipping point where he looked at me and said, I just, I can't take it anymore. I need some rest. I need mm-hmm. to stop my head from spinning, and and I, I don't even know because I, I wish I could, I'm not in his shoes. I didn't right. know. How could you? How could? How can you? Did the hospitalization, was it a relief for him? Because sometimes it can be really, it can go either way, especially for yeah. a teen. It can be like such a relief to know there's a place you can go. I, I think, I think looking back on it, because um, that was three years ago, I think looking back on it, I do think there was some sense of release, but relief, but there was also a sense of shame. That's something we should talk about because that's something we need to change. It is. Because he would, he'd go to the hospital if he broke his leg, right? He wouldn't yeah. be ashamed of that. Oh, no. Poor kid. So he's ashamed yeah. of a health problem yeah. that he can't help. And, and, yeah. And I think that that was the worst thing is yeah. to watch him be ashamed and embarrassed. Yeah. And me was just starting to have my eyes opened. I wasn't. I had to be strong for him. But I had to convey to my 
16 year old that, you know, this isn't, we can talk about this, that it's okay to talk about. They put him um, in some day treatment. Um, it happened to be during the summer, and so um, he went to a hospital in the the, the city nearest us during the days for some day treatment. Great. I would drop him off and pick him up. Um, they that's where they wanted to start a medication, and he started his first medication. And I say first because there's some things that happen as they change and grow, and figuring that out. And uh, he responded pretty well to the day treatment. Um, the medication, I could say no. It didn't work. It wasn't the right one. No. Mm-hmm. And so that leads into my next thing. Um, number one was trust your instincts. Number two, be persistent. Yes. Because it's a long journey getting the right meds. And, Huge. And it can something that works for years all of a sudden cannot work. Mm-hmm. So you're right. That, that's something a muscle you need to keep throughout your life, mm-hmm. right? Be persistent. Be persistent. Um, there are really so many, as we call them, as I say we, is um, my, his dad and me, we sit. There are so many pieces to the puzzle of someone that is suffering from a mental illness. Yeah. To get the pieces to fit your puzzle, to make it look like a nice picture, takes time. Yes. And I remember back when we went through the, just the scenario I was explaining when the first um, time we had the hospital stay and the, the treatment at the hospital was be patient. It takes time. You do not want to hear that. No. And I was angry, very angry. No, my son has strep throat. I want a medicine that's going to make him better. Yeah. No, um, my son broke his arm. I want a cast and in six weeks it's coming off. My son has a mental illness. I want at least something that can give him some relief. Now. Now. Tell me in six weeks it's going to be better. They can't. They can't. Nobody can until you try it. Well, we tried this medication. You know, give it six to eight weeks. Whoa. It was it was causing, I would almost say his, um, my son has recently officially been diagnosed as bipolar. So now we know. Whew, it's been a long few years. But I would say the first medication he was on brought on more of the manic Oh, yeah. That can happen, too. And it can. That and can I, we happen, did not yes. know that. But right. it was more manic and more um, just a, just random behaviors that were unlike him. Um, so finally, I when I say be persistent, I went and I said, no, we can't do this. This is not working for my son. Yeah. So then we changed to medicine number two. Tried that. Six to eight weeks. You have to make sure it works. And I, I, I'm honestly not even sure. I, at one point, I kept a um, uh, list of medications mm-hmm. that we've tried. Keep those lists. Those yeah, are and really we, important. And I do. Yeah. I have the list, um, and I try to update it as much as possible yeah. when they change him. Yeah. And um, this probably now, currently, um, the stories I was telling you when he was 15, going on 16, my son is now recently turned 19, and he's been on the same medication regimen, uh, main medication regimen for um, almost a year or a little more. And it's working well? And it's working well. He's responded well. We've um, recently had a little bit of a a breakdown, but we added something that kind of is just, so I would say, um, yeah, so be persistent. Being persistent, that's really Mm -hmm. important. One thing, just from my own experience that I've learned that I didn't know, because I agree with you, it's impossible as a mom to be patient. You want your kid better now. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes medications that fail, 
mm-hmm. as horrible as that is, that information helps with the diagnosis later. That helps them figure out, oh, that's what's going on. So mm-hmm. that journey is really hard to go through, but all that all that ends up being helpful to figure out what's going on. Yes. It may take a few years, but I think it's helpful when you're in it to know that. Yes. That this may it seem is. like it's awful right now, but this may be giving my child psychiatrist great information a year from now that he'll know. Document it. What's going on. Document it. This so, did not work for us. Exactly. And um, that's, like I said, you know, trust your instincts, go with your gut, be persistent. Those are two main things that now looking back, I wish someone would have said to me. Yeah. Because you have a wisdom as a mom yeah. and our society doesn't always mm-hmm. give us the feedback of how that is so worth, what that's worth, which yes. is so important. Oh, yes. And so I, I think that's great advice. Yeah. And I think it's okay to feel every single emotion yeah. in the universe because there were times where you're just um, so angry that you can't control the anger within yourself or yeah. at maybe it was directed at someone because you thought they didn't do enough or you just cry yeah. or um, why did this happen or you feel so sad for your child because well, you, they're suffering not you, suffering but just they are they are though. I guess it's suffering it's and he's the, the ages if if they can they describe it no you know, and they're trying. Right. And my son, his experience was all of a sudden this hit us at this certain point in life. Well, I've never, he he never known what this feeling was. And so, yeah, that's tricky. You said something I want to follow up on if it's yeah, okay. absolutely. Because I think it's another very common experience okay. for us mothers and caregivers that you had to hold your emotions together <laughs> when your son was going through this. But let's be honest. We have a whole lot of emotions watching our kids go through this. And you're right. We have to sort of put them on hold. Yeah. How do you take care of you when that, or come back to processing that? And I say this not like, because I don't know how I figure it out either. I don't know know. that I'm doing it. But I think it's something we need to talk about as caregivers and as as mothers, because it's a very emotional journey we're on, but we don't often have time to attend to our emotions because we're literally constantly helping our kid navigate theirs yeah and I think it's important to yourself as a mother um you we as mothers um stay strong for them because we feel like we are that constant we are I feel like I am my son's strength when he cannot be strong right yeah and I have to be strong and not waver and almost like I compare it to an outside of body experience. Like, okay, I'm going to put me over in the corner for now. Mm-hmm. And this stoic, non-emotional machine that has his mom's face on it is going to be here. Because right there, I'm over in the corner. Because if I was here, I would be a blubbering, emotional, mm that's a great description. I'm sure a lot of our listeners, I know I can relate to that. That just sounds yeah, so familiar to me. To myself, I get back in, in um, my son had the worst, um, excuse me, but he had a really bad episode at Christmas. Um, one of the many um, therapists that he had been to, which we thought we had gotten an, a good one and had been going for about a year decided that it was okay that maybe he didn't need to take any medication because we hadn't had a clear diagnosis. Okay, you know, all right. Well, 
he'd been doing so good and graduated high school, got himself a full-time job, had his own apartment. And then she said, oh, let's just try it without. And of course, my son, being a man, doesn't want to have to rely on medication. Sure, if a doctor tells me I don't have to, he doesn't have to. So long story short, six weeks later, manic episode to the full-blown worst episode I have ever seen. And um, he was 18 years old. I had to pull myself together and... I found my own strength that I never thought I had, ever yeah. thought I had. You have to be fierce for this job. Fierce is a very good word. Fierce, strong, um, whatever you need to do um, to get through it. Um, I would say um, I have learned more about myself. I am 44 years old, and I probably know myself better than I have in my entire life. Yeah. This will do that to you, won't it? It will. It really will. And that's good. Yeah. It's okay. But I thought I knew myself. I didn't know myself. Yeah. And I didn't know the strength that I had as a mother. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I think that's a good. But how do, how do I, I guess going back to your original question, yeah. I'm sorry. But how do, you, how do you take care of yourself? Well, after... You get your son settled in the hospital or the care facility or home, wherever they ends up being. Right. I went back to the corner and I picked myself up, took my shell off. And in the privacy of my own time and my own place, I felt those emotions. Yeah. And you have to feel them at some point. You can't bottle them up. They'll come back to haunt you if you try. You will have some major, you need to talk to a professional. You may, you can talk to a relative, a friend. If you are spiritual, talk to your spiritual leader. Um, do something that you can get those emotions because you've got to feel them. You have to feel them. Yeah. This is where support support yes. groups and things and like that can groups, also be absolutely. really useful as well. Find someone in your support yeah. group because telling you we if as mothers as parents out there even if you're not a mother or a father or just a caregiver you need a go-to person or you need a go-to way to um, let those emotions go yeah because I know we all as as caregivers um, want to be strong and yes but you have to remember to deal with your own personal absolutely you do Thank you for that. Yeah. I think that's something we need to hear and remember. Yeah. So this is a lot, um, but I'm wondering if you can think back in the past few years about something that has been a barrier to getting help. You've talked about some of the challenges with finding the right medication and so forth. Mm-hmm. Has there been something that's been a barrier or you tried that didn't work or that you wish would have been different, you wish would be different? For people going forward that you experienced? Um, yeah, I think, you know, all those things you mentioned were barriers. I'm um, just finding the right fit. But I do think, um, I'm going to go back to it. A barrier is uh, where I live. Mm. Not only the state of Iowa that I live in, but the county, the county that I live in, in my state of Iowa. Very limited resources. Mm-hmm. Um, we do not have a hospital in the county I live in. So... 
when I want to, uh, I've committed my son twice. When I did the committal, it was in a county that had no hospital. So I took him to the county over where the big city is, and they kicked me out because they didn't have to treat my son because he's not their problem. Really? Mm-hmm. Because we're not, we don't, we're not residents of their county. Now tell me how, tell me how inhumane that is. Absolutely. Inhumane. Absolutely. Um, As an educated woman, I consider myself an educated woman. I did not allow that to happen this last time. Right. I stuck my heels in and said, oh no, my son needs to be treated. Well, we have this many people in our county that we don't have beds for, we don't have room for. Well, I, that's shocking to me because that's just, <laughs> I, and that's something to check on. It's like, it just doesn't sound like it could be legal, but we run into these things all the time that it seems you like, how could this happen? How could it happen? How could, how it, how could happen? it be legal? Exactly. Yeah. I talked to um, some of the nurses from this hospital and said, I don't understand. They're like, we have to send him back. We cannot keep him. Mm-hmm. So they gave him some a shot in the leg and said, here you go, yeah. back to your county. Wow. What? You've got to be kidding me. So just, it's just the lack of resources. It's, yes, it's and so I'm going to tell you this story. Yeah. And it's very personal as well, but it's very real in my life. Um, when my son went through the episode this Christmas where his doctor took him off his medication and we were in full-blown manic episode, I could not get my son to get in the car and go to the hospital with me in the nearest town. Could not. He was so far gone uh, mentally that he couldn't. Um, he still had his automobile, and he still had his apartment, and still had all this freedom. And I was scared for his life. Somehow, some way, um, they found his car abandoned in the middle of the street, and he was knocking on people's door at 6 in the morning, confused. And so... They brought him in to the police and he was put in jail. Instead of taken to the hospital. Mm -hmm. My son was put in jail and charged with public intoxication. So they called me and said, ma'am, we have your son. We think he's high on meth. He was manic, is what I'm hearing. A long pause, (laughs) because there were flames, those emotions. Right. There were flames coming out of my ears, and I'm like, sir, please, any any drug test you'd like to give him, I'd like for you to, because my son is in a full-blown manic episode. Oh, I just think he needs to sober up. We'll keep him overnight. (gasps) Even after you told him this. Yeah, even after I told him. So I said, all right. Because I honestly want to get my son help. And if you keeping him right here, I'm crawling around. I'm going to start trying to find a spot. But why don't you go ahead and do run a drug test, do whatever you need to do. Have him, quote unquote, sober up. I got a phone call by 8 a.m. the next morning. Yeah, no, there's no drugs in his system. He's not. Yeah, I'm sorry, ma'am. He needs some medical attention. I go, he needs some medical attention as soon as possible. Let's get on it. Well, that was December 28th. My son sat in jail until January 2nd. I had to file papers to get him committed. I had to go to the judge and beg and plead to get him some help. Because Um, they were seeing this as criminal activity as opposed to a symptom. 
Thank you, yes. For an illness that he clearly had. Yes, and had history. This was just six months ago. He's had this basically for three years. And so I was persistent and did not give up. And I said, how, how is this, how is this okay to keep my son locked up in a jail cell? That's the, he's done no criminal activity. Right. We're like, we don't know what to do with him. They told me, we don't know what to do with him. We have nowhere to play, take him. That is what's wrong with so in health. this case having an access center in your county mm -hmm. having training mm -hmm. cit training crisis intervention training among the police these would have made huge. a huge difference for your son and huge. for your family not to mention for your community who was probably a lot of your neighbors or whoever were frightened yes and luckily not, no one was hurt it sounds like no absolutely but no he could have Oh, he could have got himself into a car accident. Yes, and hurt himself or someone hurt himself. else. So those are like just some little examples, mm -hmm. right? So this is a great example of how resources make such a difference. They do, and I was persistent, and I um, I stayed strong and said I will do whatever it takes. The you. judges in my county were amazing. The police officers in my county were amazing. Gave me their home phone numbers that's and that's said wonderful. I had probably the best support. In a horrible situation, I did, but I was persistent, and I do live in a smaller community, but I still think they those judges didn't have to do that, right. but I will never, ever forget the judge's um, comment to me. He said, Jill, your son does not deserve this treatment. I am sorry. He has done nothing wrong. I'm so glad you got to hear that. And I said, thank you, but you know who needs to hear that? It's your son. It's my son. Did he tell him? Later, after he got... Was well enough well, to hear it. He did. He well, sat I'm glad in the courtroom Because so many said, families never get that. No. I couldn't believe it. And I lost it emotionally. My stoic face left as fast as it could. I just cried. I, I was on the phone and I remember, like, thank you so much. I said, I know he does not, but this is the problem. And he goes, this is the problem, Jill, because I can't send him home to you. I don't think he's safe. And right. I said, he's not. Do I think he'd hurt me or his brother? No, but he'd wander off. Right. And I can't, I physically, I can't, I can't keep, he's bigger than me, you know, right. this, and I'm like, and he said, so we're going to keep him here, but we're going to, I'm going to get an emergency order. We're going to get him up there to see an ER doctor. I'm glad you had that. Because then he got the help, and now he's yes. doing much better. Yes, thank you. Um, in um, he had to stay on um, in the hospital in this um, psychiatric wing um, at the hospital for ten days. I was very worried he wasn't going to come around. I went every day. I called every day on my lunch break from work, and then I went up every day uh, for a certain. Um, you only get a two-hour time window, but I went up every night. Still wasn't coming back to me, but he knew who I was. Right. But we were still having some very delusional thoughts. But finally, um, they started him back on the medication that the doctor had taken him off. And they they upped it because obviously they needed it. They wanted it to get in the system faster. Then on the way home one night, um, his doctor that was treating him at the hospital called me and said, yeah, I don't think this by itself is working. Can I add a mood stabilizer? I go, sure. We had tried that another time and it had worked for a while, but... Um, 
we took him off of it because he had gained so much weight. Because mm-hmm. there's so many factors with medication and weight and other things that it affects. Right. And within 48 hours, I had my son back. I went up to visit him and he was like, Mom. And just, mm-hmm. just tears of joy. I was so happy to have him back. So then um, they let him uh, go like a day or two later. So he's See, healthy. That's Doing wonderful. Well. So you've actually already answered the next question, which okay. is what has worked. But if there's something else you want to mention, yeah. something that you want to say, this works, please keep this. Yeah. <laughs> keep, make sure this happens for other people. You know, I just, you know, had I, I had really good luck um, with some really great people that were compassionate and understanding. And I think also most of the adults that I had interaction with were saddened too at the situation that they felt helpless because they wanted to help me, but they couldn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that was something, um, what else has worked well? Um, just be, you know, be the best advocate for your child. Um, you know, our, our mental health system in the state of Iowa that I live in needs work, but be an advocate for your child. You're the one that you're the person that knows that your child more than anybody else in the world. So, say to them, you know, this is what I've seen. This doesn't work. This is what I need. This is what my child needs. Hey, and you know what? Even if your child is old enough, my son is old enough to say, hey, this makes, this is working for me. You know, this isn't working for me. Um, Don't not say what you want to say. This is not something you can just say, oh, okay. It's not a sore throat that let's try this and see if it works. Something much bigger than that. And, um, so, yeah, that's, I'm kind of outspoken sometimes. That's a good trait to have when you're but dealing it, with this. <laughs> it is. And you don't have to be, you don't have to be outspoken in, in boisterous kind of like I am, but you need to at least say what you're feeling. Advocate for what you think, advocate for what you think your child needs. Right. Don't hold back. Right. Just don't. Because you don't want anything to end or end up in a situation that you could have avoided. I think that's really good advice. You know. So we like to ask these next three questions yeah. each time. Um, first of all, we recognize that this journey is constantly changing where we're at. So just mm-hmm. at this moment, where do you feel? Do you feel like you're swimming, drowning, or treading water? I had to think about this question. I have to really think about that. But what my first response really is we're swimming right now. I know I just came off the story of what happened to us six months ago, but honest to goodness, six months later, where I'm at sitting on this date in the month of June, we are swimming. Good. His treatment plan is working. He is following his treatment plan. He is doing what he needs to do. And as of most recently, he looked me in the eye and said, Mom, I don't ever want to feel that way again. He was old enough maybe to understand. He doesn't remember the whole episode, and they say sometimes you don't get full memory of it. Right. And maybe that's a blessing because some of the things he was saying that came out of his mouth, maybe it's not characteristic of him typically when he is on a base and, and level. Um, but... Uh, I just, I'd say for the most part, we're swimming, we're moving forward. He's um, doing, like I said, his treatment plan. And he's also, he's back to work. He's back to smiling. He's back to laughing. 
me is for me. Not that it's about me. But, no, this question is but, about you. Yeah, yeah, true. It is about me. Okay, yeah. So yes, I'm swimming. I'm swimming. I feel good. I feel good. I feel good um, because I feel that I I did everything I could. We got what in the end it was a hard, hard thing to get. Even the last six months. It's not even talking about the last three years of my life, but the last six months. I feel like, boom did it, you know, we're here and I'm able to kind of just, I, I don't go to work and I worry about my phone ringing or I don't go to work and think, Oh, I hope he gets up. I mean, out of bed and gets going. I'm swimming because I know that's all happening. Yeah. And I'm saying he's swimming because I see it. Don't you love boring days? I love boring days. <laughs> I love They're the joy days. of my <laughs> life. <laughs> Days you're not in panic mode. Yes. That's so awesome. Those are so awesome. And so when they're there, take and for just every day, uh, a minute up of that day because, yeah. I, I agree. Because it could change next week. Exactly. And my my mantra has, has been when someone asks me a question like, are you treading water, drowning, or swimming? I'm cautiously optimistic. Right. But we are swimming. Yeah. Because in six months something could happen. That's right. But I try to look at it as six months, if my son wasn't suffering with uh, suffering or having this um, mental health issue, there might be something that would come up in his life anyway. Absolutely. I have a, um, a younger son who has recently turned 16. He's shown no signs or symptoms. Um, but, you know, a bump in his road is, ugh, I did not want to get up to go to the ACT test. Oh, no. <laughs> or, you know, I'm having a bad day. Or, no, oh, yeah. his girlfriend broke up with him. Sure. So he's sad. You know, I mean, where my other son, who's 19, it could be not have to take my medicine for a week or he all of a sudden becomes, you know, depressive and won't get out of bed. I mean, there's just, ah. But the truth is life in general is unpredictable. It is. And one positive thing of going through this difficult experience is I think you become more flexible to deal with you that. Totally, because you, <laughs> you have right. to, right? There's no other option. There's no other option. <laughs> <laughs> no other option. No other option. So, what is your self care routine? Or, as I like to say, sometimes it might even be just survival technique. Like, how do you take yeah. care of you? Well, I think my number one thing has been over the last three years that my journey with with my son and being his caregiver is talk openly about it. Mm-hmm. Don't hold it back. I think at first I, I kind of held a little bit back because I wasn't sure, you know, who really to talk to and who wouldn't be like, um, I know there's stigmas and there's judgment judgments. And mm-hmm. um, when I gave birth 19 years ago, did I think that my son would end up having a mental illness? No, but it's what, it's just life, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's not, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. That's right. You shouldn't feel like someone's looking at you like, what did you do? What kind of parent are you? It's, no, it's it's, it's an illness like, uh, you know, I have a friend who is diabetic just recently. Right. So she has to treat that the rest of her life. Otherwise, she can get really sick and die. Exactly. So I've tried to compare that with my son's um, illness. He has to treat it and stay on top of his treatment plan. Otherwise, things can happen. That's right. It's like an illness. Like, I know for a fact he's going to live a long and fruitful life. And amazing things are going to come his way. And 
I think he's starting to believe that. Good. And I think that, I think, I, I just, I, I try not to think too far in advance, but I think it's, it's good to be open and talk about it. Absolutely. I do. I think that's important. Um, I just also try to, um, take time for myself. Um, you know, just, just me to, when I feel like my, I'm an, I'm an empty vessel or I'm a, I'm a glass jar and my, and I need, I'm empty. Um, I need to just take some time, honestly, even if it's for a couple hours and just go for a walk by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I took up yoga, just go in and do some yoga poses. I've been considering meditation cause I've heard it's wonderful. Um, just you, just me being with me. And like I said earlier, at this age, who knew I didn't know myself? Mm-hmm. And I think self-care with that, you find out who you are. Yeah. And you really say, wow, I think I'm an okay person. Exactly. It's like, oh, she's pretty awesome. I, I might hang out with that. myself. I, I, I should <laughs> hang out with her. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. So... So here's the last question we end on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think any mother can give you a laughable moment. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, what is your most laughable moment? Oh, jeez. Well. What makes you smile when you look back and think, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And, and this is hard because, okay, so laughable moment as in myself in this in my son's mental illness and dealing with that. What's the most laughable moment with that? It can be. Yeah. Well, honestly, it was as of recently and I can laugh now. I think it's what, that's kind of the question you're asking. What's a moment that you can laugh at now? Well, or that's how I'm reading it. It's Um, however you want to interpret the question. Yeah. Just something that makes you sort of laugh now. You're like, Oh, that was funny. It was. And it was, it's, it's so funny now, but so when my son um, was committed to the hospital to get medication back in him, get him stable and able to function, um, <clears throat> I would go up every night and um, you can't take anything in with you. You know, it's just me and my younger son couldn't go because he wasn't old enough and whatever. So I'd go in and um, oh my goodness, every night he'd see me, he'd recognize me, but he would talk about... Um, all his brothers and sisters and all these babies that I'd had and just things. And then what the craziest part was he, the, the, there was a lady in there that was my age, very nice. And she would lecture me every night about my skincare because she's, I'm naturally kind of dark complected anyway. I was like, do you use a tanning bed? My son, my husband's a dermatologist and she would just over and over. And then she, Jake would put lotion on my skin and I'm looking back on it going, well, okay. <laughs> I have to laugh now, but it, it was because I knew he was there and he was getting the care he needed. Right. He was safe. He right. had was clean. He was getting the medication, but not all the chemicals in his brain were clearly working the correctly yet. Right. So, oh, remember that brother I had named Zach? And I'm like, oh, okay, no, honey, that's probably, oh, oh, geez. We just, and he, I would just giggle and it would just, Oh, goodness. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. I have to laugh now. So. That's right. Well, sometimes if you don't laugh, you cry. And sometimes uh, laughter helps a lot. Thank you. <laughs> I always say that. I'm like, at the time, I, I would leave the hospital, and I'd be like, 
did that really just happen? And I'm like, okay, okay, get it together. And that's where I said, I wish, when was he going to come back to me? Like when, and now that he's back and we're all good, I look back on that moment going, <laughs> laughing, going, did that all really happen? Right. I remember him putting lotion on my hands and, you know, because you will and you will have the moments that are ingrained in your head, whether it's good, whether it's bad, ugly, beautiful. There are those moments. I have all of those. And that's one that I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> because, you know, you have to, you have them all and, and it's just a emotional well, I, I want to thank you, Jill, for sharing your story with us. Oh, absolutely. It, it really is wonderful to, to have oh. you share with us. Thank you. Good. Thank you. And thank you um, just for letting me um, tell my story and my son's story because um, it's very therapeutic for me as well. Oh, so, thank you. I'm yes, thank you. You have been listening to Just Ask Mom. Copyrighted in 2018 by Mothers on the Front Line. Today's podcast host was Tammy Knighton. The music is Old English, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts in this and other series relating to children's mental health, go to mothersonthefrontline.com or subscribe to Mothers on the Frontline on iTunes, Android, Google Play, or Stitcher.